I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. A sack full of toys means a sack full of joys for millions of girls and for millions of boys. When Christmas Day is here, the most wonderful day of the year. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? No, I'm doing just fine, Clark. did not and he's not santa well he was welcome to the santa claus minute it's the daily podcast where we analyze scrutinize and celebrate the 1994 modern christmas classic the santa claus one rosy minute at a time i'm scott artist from scottartist.com and i'm heather artist from blackpearlminute.com that's weird. <laughs> Do you have a double life there? <laughs> Maybe. Shouldn't it be the Santa Claus Minute.com? It should have been. It's weird that when we started the Santa Claus Minute, we didn't actually think ahead <laughs> and we registered BlackPearlMinute.com instead. It's, it's just a strange connection. It's like some kind of Christmas horror story thing. Thanks for joining us for Minute 25 of the Santa Claus. How appropriate that Minute 25 fell on, of all days, Christmas, the 25th of December. It's like holiday magic was taking place it's like here. It was planned that way. It seems like it was planned. Nothing else was planned, but it was planned that way. Yeah. As procrastinators, and that's professional procrastinators, nothing else is planned, but this somehow just seems planned, and I don't know. It's that's just very coincidence came together. Like I said, holiday magic, holiday cheer, Christmas spirit came together and made this happen. Speaking about holiday magic, I know we're talking about the Santa Claus here, but maybe when we were jumping into this all those 24 minutes ago... We should have really thought about maybe one of my personal favorites to do instead. And that's Cary Grant's The Bishop's Wife. Nobody beats Cary Grant. Oh, Cary Grant. No, he's the best. The original Bishop's Wife. Not that there's another one. There's a preacher's wife. But come on. We're talking The Bishop's Wife. Yes. Come on. 1940s. That's what it is. Or maybe something even more a bit hip like Elf. I know we're really hip people. You can just tell. You can tell by us. Yes. Well, one of us is. The other one uh, Uh, buys Yoda dolls at the movie theaters. Part of the uh, the geek squad over there. But oh well, we chose Tim Allen movie. So Christmas meets America's Most Wanted. That's what we're doing. And as far as I'm concerned, this really is the only Santa Claus movie. The Santa Claus 2, Santa Claus 3, they're just mere rumors in my mind. Oh yeah. I don't think they exist. At all. It's almost like it's a wonderful life moment when I think of those movies. Clarence came down after I had a raven pluck out my eyes after watching those other two Santa Claus movies. What can I say? The franchise went downhill. Oh, They're yeah, downhill flicks. Yeah. It's a one-hit holiday wonder. Anyways, as I was saying, Clarence came down and showed me what the world would be like if the Santa Claus 2 and the Santa Claus 3 had never actually been made. <laughs> and you know what? I liked it. So I told Clarence to get the hell out of here because I'm not going back. Or maybe I should have said get to the North Pole out of here or something like that because hell has no place on Christmas. No, it does not. Unless it's a Krampus Christmas. No, that was bad. Bad in a good way? like No. Or bad in a bad horror in a, way? Bad, or? bad in a shouldn't be watched on Christmas kind of way. It's a Christmas movie. We're not going to debate no. Krampus as not a Christmas movie here. It has It's full of holiday cheer. No cheer. Holiday. Doom and gloom. <laughs> and you know how I like to end on the apocalypse. 
Oh, that's why we chose the Santa Claus to break down, because I do like to end on the apocalypse. Always something good to talk about there. It's Monday. Well, let's move along. Okay, let's get this Christmas party started here. It's Monday, so that means it's time for the Christmas word of the week. What was everybody out there thinking? (laughs) It's like we would do some crazy thing like a pirate word a week or something. I don't know. Anyways, what you got for us? Christmas word of the week. Our Christmas word of the week is eggnog. Eggnog, eggnog. Okay. Yes. It's a rich, chilled, sweetened, creamy, dairy-based beverage traditionally made with milk, cream, sugar, egg whites, and your egg yolks. It comes from the word grog. Grog. Ah, oh, interesting. Really? There you, yes. Now, I have to apologize to you. I was wondering, of all the freaking Christmas words you could bring us, you bring us egg freaking nog. As soon as I seen it comes from the word grog. I thought it was quite fitting for us. Why? Because we're doing I the Santa no Claus clue, minute? yeah. That's strange. Anyways. <laughs> the first Oh, for egg- your fondness of rum and alcoholic beverages. Okay, you got that got right? It. The first eggnog made in the U.S. was consumed in Captain John Smith's 1607 Jamestown Settlement. Really? Mm-hmm. Captain John Smith. This isn't like, is this like Pocahontas stuff? I think so. Really? Yeah. That's crazy Disney Jamestown action Settlement. Huh. Is that his name? Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, really, this is yeah. crazy stuff here. Okay. Now I got it. So now there you I, go. Uh, There's eggnog. Like I said, I apologize for you choosing eggnog because it does have some other things to it. I thought you'd bring us some crazy word from Christmas that nobody knew of. And then you hit me, with egg, yeah, hit me with eggnog. And I thought, what the hell is going on here? But now I'm okay. I mean, what the North Pole is going on here? Eggnog. Okay, let's get going. Eggnog it is. It's also appropriate, too. Whenever I hear eggnog, I really do think of holidays, Christmas vacation, Christmas vacation. When cousin Eddie is uh, taking the eggnog there, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, in the previous minute, America's most wanted Scott Calvin gets the evil eye from Growling Comet, only to discover that his holiday nightmare as the man in the jolly red suit will have to continue. Nothing keeps the holiday spirit down or Santa's sack from getting a refill. There's always a treat for everyone in his red bag. Keeping the cheer alive, Scott slips down the pipe on the roof and with a bit of Christmas and movie magic, creates one hell of a hearth. Don't touch the potbelly stove. Too late. Minute 25 begins with Scott Calvin walking out of the enormous fireplace towards the Christmas tree, waking a little girl sleeping on the couch, waiting for Santa Claus. The little girl asks Santa. He replies, Scott Calvin. She questions, why are your clothes so baggy? The answer, because Santa is watching his saturated fats. The minute ends with Scott standing in the fireplace after having told the little girl to close her eyes. His bag carries him up the chimney, after which the fireplace converts back into the wall and radiator. Everything back in its original place. Back in the sleigh and flying through the city, Charlie asks his dad, How do you get in without a fireplace? Scott replies, I don't know. One just kind of appeared. Charlie says, Awesome. This scene is really where the special effects, I think, start to not hold up for me in this movie. That's where I'm going to start. Really? Out of the gate. Christmas cheer. And I'm going to start with that. Really? Yeah. Because they definitely show their age. Don't you think? When watching on a high definition television, it just degrades the whole radiator turning into the fireplace well, thing. Well, I don't think it's a DVD. The animation played- cuts like so apparent, right? Yeah. But it's a DVD played on a Blu-ray player on a high definition television. I know. What but- do you expect? Well, for 1994, I guess maybe it's not too shabby. The room, I guess, well, okay, let me say this. And this is all part of this. The room just doesn't feel like it's part of a house. It really does feel like it's a small set. Don't you think? Am I alone on this? Yeah. 
I'm alone on this. Yeah. You think that this room feels like it's really just part of a whole bigger house. Yeah. It almost just feels like it's one little room. Like a box? Yeah, a box. That's what I'm saying. I had it more as it's an apartment. Not a big house, but an apartment. But I didn't think of it as it's just a box. It just feels like a box. I don't get that warm and airy feeling. You I get, get a weird out. vibe, though. You I get, get a weird vibe. Worn out feeling with all the furniture being a little worn out. Well, <laughs> that's true. I mean, the, the weird vibe is not also because Scott's creeping around houses. But the question is, do you think the movie holds up with all of this right here in this minute? With what you see? Is it holding up? I know you're smirking at me in here because you don't want to disparage a Christmas movie. No, I love Christmas movies. I know, but just... It's not saying you don't like the movie. I'm asking, does it hold up to today's movie standards? The storyline. Oh, you can try and wink your way out of this one, but apparently it does not hold up because of the way you're answering that question. No, the storyline does. The whole story does. I'm not saying all the special effects do. And I'm not just saying the special effects. I mean, at the time in the 90s, I probably would have said, yeah, and to some degree it does hold up. But when I see Tim doing his kind of shtick from Home Improvement and his stand-up comedy, I think that also really helps date the movie for me. Something about the effects and the decor as well. Well, the decor is like out of the 80s, early 80s, if that. That's what I'm saying. So what is going on? Is it just the whole feel of this particular minute dates it for me for some yeah. reason? And maybe not Tim Allen's shtick in this particular minute. Because he doesn't really do a lot of the home improvement stuff. But I'm saying in general then at the film, it seems like it degrades at that point. Because when I think of Tim Allen in like a home improvement stuff, that's what we're getting in this movie. It's like straight from when he was at the height of his, or the pinnacle of his kind of movie career, TV career, right? Yeah. When he was a really big deal for being kind of that tool man. But he's still pulling, even on his new TV show, he's still pulling that... Same character. Not really as much, though. Yeah. I don't know. He's even pulling the old characters in on that on that TV show. Well, he show. has done that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But this movie really feels like it's still part of that. I don't know. Maybe because it doesn't have that modern feel to it like his Last Man Standing show does. This actually because doesn't really have that feel for me. It feels like it's from the 90s or earlier. Doesn't it? I don't know. That's just me. Now I'm now I'm getting the evil eye, the well, crook eye, because now I said that. I'm not saying it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, does it hold up? So is this like an elf movie? Not elf movie. Elf the movie. Elf movie. Elf the film. However that would be said. Elf, which came out in 2003. I still think that holds up really well, and it ha feels like a more modern movie. Don't you? No? Or The Bishop's Wife, or It's a Wonderful Life, for instance. They both have like this nostalgia mixed with a life lesson kind of deal. It's like a wholesomeness about things that with those movies. The same goes for Elf. But does this movie have that same staying power elements? The morality, the Christmas spirit tones of those other ones. Does Santa Claus have that? And I'm not so sure that it does. Will I be saying the same thing about Elf in the future then? That's my question. Is Elf is all about Christmas spirit. Yeah. So, but is the Santa Claus holding up that? that well yeah i don't know obviously from the deafening silence over there heather is uh torn about whether she wants to really scrutinize a christmas movie that's probably beloved for her because it's one of the few that are say a decent christmas movie that you can watch over and over again but 
I will say this, it does have an innovative story behind it. And I'm also wondering at the same time if the sequels hurt, kind of hurt the reputation of this particular movie. Do the sequels bring it down, at least on people's favorite list? If this was a standalone movie, would it have been better? Would it have held up better? Well, yeah, the sequels suck. So that I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think this is a really fun and this movie has a lot of charming aspects to it. And that I think that are really just funny and unique, as I said. I think that there's a lot of it that explains Santa and how Santa kind of ex- lives throughout the millennium with this whole kind of idea of what happens if Santa dies, if Santa could die kind of deal. And it answers that question. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I also like some of the other elements, which we're not talking about because we already talked about some of those in the previous minutes. So we'll just go ahead and skip that. We'll just go ahead and skip that. We've already talked about it. So I'm not going to bring it up. But the little girl. This little girl has a name. She's credited as Sarah, the little girl, actually. And I think she does a rather nice job with the 20 questions for Santa. She looks at him like, this is not the image of Santa I see everywhere at the mall. And I'm glad she's actually making sure he's the real deal and setting the record straight here. Because it's just like a kid to make sure Santa follows the rules. <laughs> What's with kids and rules? Seriously. Sometimes it's okay to break the rules. Okay, unless you're listening now, then listen to your parents and don't break the rules. And if you see Santa in your house, let your parents know so they can say hello. Maybe they can give them a <laughs> flintlock welcome. <laughs> That's just a tip to all the parents out there. Kids, just tell your parents. You see Santa. Always a wise thing. Especially if he doesn't look like Santa. Yeah. If he's not acting like Santa, then you got to question that. Sarah's played by Melissa King, and she has two credits on her acting resume. The first was in 1993's Ordinary Magic, where she also plays a girl named Sarah. She must like that name. Yeah, she must like it. Turns out Ordinary Magic is a Ryan Reynolds movie. Other than that, I didn't really find anything else on her as much as like this search that I tried to do is like, where is she now kind of thing. There's too many other Melissa Kings out there. I was just bombarded with all kinds of stuff from, well, let's just say the internet is a minefield of Melissa Kings from chefs to fallen from Grace Miss Teens and then all kinds of other more things that we don't want to talk about in a Christmas movie, we'll just say. <laughs> when he's getting ready to go up the chimney, did you notice he, well, the celery is like in his mouth and he stands there like it's a cigar. Yeah. It reminds me of something, but I really can't put my finger on what this is a reference to. I mean, is it another movie that it's like a callback to? Is it like the hardened general? Is this Patton or Apocalypse Now reference? What is this? Yeah, How come okay. I've seen this, but I can't place it? Unless it is one of those movies I just mentioned. I, I mean, I really don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's so familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Unless it's just one of those movie tropes about generals and them being battle hardened. I don't know what it is. But definitely Scott is not the jolly old sweet Saint Nick no. thing going on here. He's the Scrooge. Okay, let's just say he's the Scrooge. He's a curmudgeon. And setting the audience up for an obvious, well, into the movie here. That's what we're doing. We all know there's no surprises coming, and he is going to make a 180 by the end of the movie. How do you know? I'm just guessing. It's a Santa movie. It's so not. He actually turns more into Santa as time goes on. Is that what you're saying? I have no idea. Well, I mean, Santa is Santa. We all know how he is. I'm just saying. Unless you're talking about the claymation movies, then Santa's pretty evil. Yeah, he can be brutal. <laughs> so it's, it depends on which Santa we're going to get. But that's just my uh, my fact on that. Since we're talking about creepy people in your house at night talking to your children in red suits, I think this is, well, let me say that somebody that's not exactly looking like the traditional Santa Claus that we know today, as far as Sarah is also concerned. Maybe we should talk about the suit for a second. I have some stuff on it. I think you have some stuff on the suit and just Santa in general. So hit me with your suit stuff. For one thing, calling Santa creepy, 
It's just not good. Hey, he's there's an creepy. angry Scroogey curmudgeon walking he around your house. He, hey, he's throwing stuff at the Christmas tree. Oh, that's true. But still. I will not stand for it. Somebody throwing stuff at our Christmas tree. <laughs> Whether it's Santa or not. So in the past, Santa's suit was blue, white, and green. This was changed with actually the Coca-Cola ad in 1930 to the red suit we know today. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. What were those colors again? Blue, white, and green. Blue, white, and green. Blue, white, and green. Yeah, I don't picture Santa with blue on there. No. Because I did find that the first appearance of a modern Santa Claus, and that's complete with what we consider to be the Santa suit that we see today, was in a drawing by Thomas Nast. And Nast's original drawings were of a small Santa who could slide down chimneys. So we have like a mini-me Santa thing going on. But his later work made him full-size, a full-size human. Huh. Or a norm, a standard human. I think yeah. that's the, probably the appropriate term. Full He's size. Full size. Full size. <laughs> As in full size of what we see today. I'm not talking like there's, you just entrap me. How dare you? <laughs> Send all your hate mail to Heather for her insensitivity. Yeah. So he became a normal size Santa. Damn it. Normal. I think we can say stand, standard. What the hell? Standard size Santa. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. He's standard. not elf-like anymore. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Call me Elf one more time. <laughs> he was also the first to draw Santa wearing a red suit with fur lining, a nightcap, and a black belt with a large buckle. Almost like a pirate buckle. That's Ooh, what it reminded that's me of. interesting. Prior to Nass work, Santa's outfit, besides that you were mentioning, was also tan in color. And it was he that changed it to red. Although he also drew Santa in a green suit. And this gets back to what you were saying. Huh. This change is often mistakenly attributed to the work of Hayden Sunblom who drew images of Santa in advertising for the Coca-Cola company, as you were just saying, since 1931. And although Sunblum's work certainly changed the perception of Santa Claus, the red suit was shown on covers of Harper's Weekly at least 40 years before his work with Coca-Cola actually was oh, published. Oh, really? Yeah. So Harper's Weekly, 40 years before Coca-Cola. So this kind of shows the whole Santa thing. I think Coke just popularized the whole Santa yeah. thing in the image of Santa. Just They're pretty the powerful influence. commercials. Uh-huh. You look at them, you remember those things. Makes me want to freaking The polar bears. Damn that marketing. It's like the marketing of a Coke in the movie theater. You see that? They're like, why are they playing this when the movie's actually getting started and after all the trailers? They should play that before everything. You're in the theater. That should just be on a constant loop inside there. They'd sell more You'll be going, holy Jesus, I got to get some. Christmas, sorry. Holy baby Jesus, I got to get some (laughs) uh, Coke here. And then you go out and get some Coke. They should actually have... People like vending in Cokes during while they're sitting there, like bringing out the large popcorns and the Coke. Get your popcorn here. Okay, this is movie site. I'm just thinking marketing. If anybody wants to hire me for movie theater marketing, (laughs) you can find me at scottartist.com. Okay, that's all I got on Santa Claus' suit. So what do you have? Do you know the story of Santa Claus? I've actually only been concerned with Santa Claus getting into my house and so I could get presents. So yeah, that's... uh, That's about it? Pretty much it, yeah. More of the... uh, the taker than the giver okay. for some reasons, especially as a kid. I see. Yeah, that's how I am. There was actually a bishop named St. Nicholas who lived in what we now call Turkey in the 4th century AD, who inherited a great deal of money and was known for giving it away to help the needy. When he was sainted, he became the protector of children. Hmm. And so they, St. Nicholas ended up turning into Santa Claus. The protector of children. I don't think our Santa Claus here in this movie is protecting children right now. Well, that's... He's not harming them. That's true. He's giving them nightmares, though, for God's sakes. Nightmares! 
<laughs> no, he's not. Kind of is. He's dropping him presents. That's true. Which comes to my next item. Okay. How the delivery of presents became. Became fashionable? Yes. <laughs> okay, go. Holland's celebration of St. Nicholas Feast Day on December 6th, the children would actually leave their shoes outside or out, at, out the night before, and in the morning they'd find little gifts that St. Nicholas would leave there. Huh. And so that's how I think how I've the, heard this somewhere before, but I don't I can't place it. The start of delivering or of getting presents from Santa Claus. In your shoes. St. Nicholas. Again, Santa Claus. So yeah, in your shoes. Very cool. Yeah. You don't want anything in your shoes now as an adult, though. You put your foot in your shoe and you touch something in there, that's hebo jebo time. Well, yeah. But you you're an adult, not a child. Oh, that's right. Okay. Child would go, oh, what's in my shoe? Uh, some people oh. say that I'm a child. Well, yeah. <laughs> I also have a, a story on stockings. Don't tell me. Just hit it. Let's roll this puppy. A poor man with three daughters couldn't afford the dowry to have them married. One night, St. Nicholas dropped a bag of gold down the man's chimney so that his oldest daughter would be able to get married. And the bag fell into stockings that were drying on the fire. Really? Yeah. So that's so the story. That's, but that's a that's like a mythology story, though. That's how the stockings started. Yeah, but that's my question. So the, the whole stocking thing started because somebody made up a story about that, right? It's not like somebody really dropped a bag of gold down yeah, this St. guy's Nicholas chimney. Yeah, St. Nicholas did. Okay, the whole stocking thing, but that's what I'm saying. This is kind of a myth that got the stockings going. Somebody's like, you know, hey, we could really use the idea of putting some stockings on the mantle here in the fireplace, and then we can get more presents. So obviously this must have been a kid that thought of this and put this into the story and sold the parents and everybody else on it. So the kid wins. Maybe. Because, that, yeah, that's interesting. It's not like it started from, what I'm saying is it's not like it started from a real story where... Or at least that we know of a real story where the kid was drying his socks and then, uh, well, Santa Claus finger quotes here, in case there's kids listening, puts a treat in the in the stocking and the kid sees it the next morning. You get what I'm saying yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting. It's weird that like a mythological story about a, this real person starts a more myth and tradition. It's just interesting. It just, it's not like a, usually you have like a real life event or something that kind of triggers that. And this is kind of a legend inspires another legend or a tradition. Hmm. That's, that's what I'm saying. You know how Santa Claus in this minute is not drinking the milk and little Sarah tells yeah. him you're supposed to drink the milk. Yeah. Well, this came from Dutch children who would leave food and drinks out for St. Nicholas on his feast day. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's how the milk and cookies came about. So the feast day, yeah. Feast day, yeah. December so, 6th. So this is a, this is actual real stuff, not like legend yeah, stuff. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Which is the difference between the stockings versus the milk and cookies deal, kind of. I don't know for a fact that that's that. So now you're just, you're bringing more legends to me and trying no, to sell I'm me No, I'm saying on? the stocking thing. I don't know if it's just a legend or if it's real. You're saying, really? You're yeah. going to try and claim that this guy... Which somebody dropping gold down your chimney so you could pay the dowry to marry off your daughter. That's more of a present for the guy and the father than it is for the daughter. The dad's like, I got to get rid of this lady. She's just eating me out of house and home now. <laughs> we got we to gotta marry her off as soon as possible. And then magically gold appears. Nobody's dropping gold down somebody's. This isn't Robin Hood's story anyways. He was rich. Some rich guy just dropped it. Okay, maybe. He was is. rich. He became I don't know. Maybe knock on he the door. Come on, knock on the door. Knock on the door and and give the gold to the guy. 
you're you're making an awful risky move by dropping it down the chimney into somebody's fire. Guy goes, oh my god, there's a bag of gold. He reaches for it, and all of a sudden we got an Indiana Jones moment here. We Maybe got a there was no fire. Oh, well, we got a Raiders of the Lost Ark. The guy grabs the medallion, and now he's singed his hand because he's going for the gold that's in the fire. See, this this just turned took a wicked turn to the evil. Indiana Jones minute. <laughs> the you, Santa Claus is grabbing the what was it celery? Yeah. Okay, I assume that was for the reindeer. Maybe. You know, why would you put celery out for Santa Claus? So we've always put carrots out for Santa Claus. Yeah. Well, the carrots came from Norse mythology, where people would leave hay and treats out for Odin's eight-legged whores in hopes the gods would stop at their house during Yule haunting adventures. Yule haunting adventures? Yes. Now, see, now we're at a Christmas story I can get behind. <laughs> and you did not want to talk about a Krampus thing. Now we got Yule haunting adventures. Yule haunting adventures. That's what I'm here for. But you want people to come? You want him to come for your Yule haunting adventures. Yeah, that's weird. And I wanted to kind of show you that this kind of ties in with Thor, by the way. I know. I mean, you got Norse mythology, and you have Odin in here. Hey. Odin's Thor's dad, right? Yeah, and people call me Thor, so I know all about this. We already went through this in early episodes. We didn't have... (laughs) Whatever. Who doesn't like Thor? I don't know. And then when, at the very end of this minute, you see the sleigh flying by. Yeah. Santa's flying in a sleigh in 1819 was dreamed up by Washington Irving. Oh, yeah. You know who that is? Yes, I do. Washington Irving. He's our first president. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. I don't think you know who he is. I do. He's an author. Really? Yeah. I was Uh, testing you. Now you're testing me? How dare you? Yep. That's all the Santa information I have. It's about freaking time. Since when do you ever talk so much or have so much information? I have no clue. Yeah. I looked up one thing and ended up with this. Oh, because it's Christmas. I was Lord actually... forbid, you're all over the place. I was looking up a Christmas word, which was eggnog, and I ended up with all this other stuff. That's insanity. Don't ever let that happen again. Seriously. Okay. So that's all I have, actually, for minute 25. That's yeah. That's wow. all I got. Look how dedicated we are. Coming into the studio on Christmas Day to bring holiday cheer to the listeners. Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Yeah, now that, uh, or now that's a freaking pirate dedication. We're dedicated to the trade. A Yule haunting adventure. Yule haunting adventure. I mean, we should think about doing a Pirates of the Caribbean minute show. You know? I mean, where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one uh, blimey minute at a time. We should think about that. Let's think about that. Maybe we can launch that tomorrow. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll. Maybe we won't. So I guess we'll be back tomorrow with the Santa Claus minute. Most likely. Unless some serious hornswoggling goes on and we go pirate or something. Until then, elves, let's keep the glasses full of eggnog and the rum a-flowing, of course. And the eggnog. I already said the eggnog. Oh. You're just not listening. It's like you sleep in here. Sometimes. Completely tune me out. I only hear what I want to. I mean, seriously, there's no hornswoggling during the holidays. Drinking, yes. Hornswoggling, no. Merry Christmas, y'all. Arr. Where's the Tylenol? You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags.